there are more letters after your name than there are in the alphabet. I counted. Is it really more than 26? I don't know. I, I, it's pretty close, though, I'm it sure. It probably is, but still, I, that, 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 I think even that might be ridiculous in my book. But <laughs> so. Welcome to the Mostly Money Podcast with your host, Preet Banerjee. This is Mostly Money, and I'm your host, Preet Banerjee, and on the show today, I'll be speaking with Jason Pereira, who has been spearheading the creation of a new financial services organization, the Financial Planning Association of Canada, or FPAC for short. We're going with FPAC. Now, Jason is a very well-known financial services figure. He's an award-winning financial planner. He's the host of the FinTech Impact podcast, which I highly recommend. Well, you were on it, so. Well, yeah, that I especially... <laughs> recommend that episode. That episode was awesome. Yeah, but all of them yeah. are stellar. Uh, and you're also a newly minted columnist for the Globe and Mail, yeah. right? Globe Advisor. I've been doing writing here and there all over the place, but they recently locked me down. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that sort of the Globe and Mail has sort of like an advisor portal. And Correct. so you write there as well as a number of different industry publications over the years. So you're, you're very well uh, read. Um, and uh, everyone knows you. You are have been cited as a very influential figure in the financial services. There are more blush. letters. There are more letters after your name than there are in the alphabet. I counted. Is it really more than twenty six? I don't know. I, I, it's pretty close, though. I'm it sure it probably is. But still, I, that that that. I think even that might be ridiculous in my book. <laughs> yeah, so you have all these yeah. different des- designations. Before we get started, what are your favorite designations? Like, if you could only put two, what would they be? The two that matter most in this industry, in my opinion, are, and I'll give you a third at the end. (laughs) So the CFP is, quite frankly, becoming the gold standard around the world, rightly so. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I talked to some advisors who got it 20 years ago and weren't happy with the level of what it was. And it has come a long way. And I've actually worked on some of those committees. And I'm very proud to say that that is becoming exactly what it should be. The CFA is the gold standard for finance around the world. And the designation that will give you PTSD. Like, I kid you not, <laughs> it was. It took me three months to unwind after writing that thing. It yeah. is oh, so painful. But got it done. And then I'm going to put a nice little asterisk next to it. I'm going to say, I'm going to give a shout out to the, another board I'm on, the, the IFP's board, the RFP. Mm-hmm. The differentiator between them and the CFP is that an RFP Basically, you have to you write a you write a proficiency exam that is higher a higher standard than the CFP, and in addition to that, you have to submit financial plans for peer review. So you are not only someone who basically knows what they're talking about, but you also at the same time do it on a regular basis. So the peer review is an ongoing requirement. They actually know there is a renewal requirement for the peer review of, mm-hmm. of your financial plan. You submit at least one you've done within the last twelve months. I'm not sure how often that happens. I haven't come to the renewal period yet, but it does happen. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, so let's talk. The reason that you're here is I want to yep. talk to you about FPAC, Financial Planning Association of Canada. Mm-hmm. So let's start with a very sort of 30,000-foot perspective. What is this organization supposed to be about? So this organization at its core is all about the professionalization of financial planning. So when you look at other professions that exist, accountants, lawyers, doctors, they have been around for, in some cases, thousands of years. They developed proficiency standards, educational bodies, uh, support structures, all kinds of infrastructure that basically supports them and makes them the respected professions that they are, right? And, you know, you have kids in grade school and high school identifying that they want to grow up and be that. Financial planning, in contrast, is a very young profession. It's only existed for probably less than 40 years, depending on when you draw the line. And we have none of that, especially in Canada. 
Uh, and what we're trying to do is basically say that, hey, this designation or this profession has such a positive influence and impact on people's lives when done right, that it's important that we fast forward as fast as possible. So what we've outlined is that essentially we want to put together the end state for us, which is basically we've outlined what we want to accomplish in terms of proficiency standards, educational standards, compliance standards, disclosure fiduciary uh, responsibilities, everything, and said, this is the ultimate goal. Let's get there together. So first question is, why doesn't this exist already? The industry in itself was born, as we know, out of out of product sales, right? So mm-hmm. you have the age of product sales way back where basically that's all anyone was hired to do. And then a bunch of people figured out, hey, if I actually figure out what these people need, I can <laughs> sell them what it is they need and I'll probably close more, mm-hmm. right? So planning was born in product sales and the in- infrastructure that supports it, whether it be regulators or credentialing bodies, typically have followed still, are still living in the past to some degree. They're still licensed specifically things like sales of securities or insurance. It's all product product-based. We don't have that in Canada. We do have some other associations in Canada that are worth noting that have size or scale, but no one has basically said, if you're going to be a member here, you're fiduciary. You know, we're going to hold you to that standard. And if you're going to be a member, this is the goal and we're going to get from here to there. And you're going to start operating at a level beyond what you have to operate now in in a best practice, evidence-based way. So uh, you are a financial planner yourself. You provide financial planning to households and there are some organizations involved in financial planning in Canada Correct. already. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one that is probably uh, has the highest level of awareness would be what is now called FP Canada, which was called the Financial mm-hmm. Planning Standards Council. And so they rebranded to FP Correct. Canada. Okay. What were they doing, or I should say, what weren't they doing that you now are going to be doing with FPAC? Yeah. So the difference there is it's important to understand that they're a different entity altogether. What they are is they're a licensing body, right? They run the credential of the CFP, right? So they are the ones who set the standard and issue it and enforce it. They are not a membership body. We are all technically quote unquote members of FP Canada once we, when we are CFPs, but they do not have a body of advisors that basically on the whole and the mass lobby themselves for, for change and whatnot. So the model we've kind of followed is one out of the U.S., essentially. And, and we see this in other countries, but the U.S. was where this idea was born, was that you have the CFP board in the U.S. who basically issue is the issuing body for the CFP in the U.S., and you have the Financial Planning Association in the U.S., which basically is the largest member body. Mm-hmm. And they don't always agree on everything, but they definitely have the best interest of financial planning at heart. These two organizations will be complementary in the same way that that sort of that relationship exists in the U.S.? That is the goal. We've had early dialogue with them, and they kind of have a wait-and-see approach. But in general, we are pretty much aligned on on long-term vision for this industry. So let's now talk about the genesis of FPAC Canada. <laughs> yeah. um, so who came up with this idea? It sounds like it was your idea. You're, you've been spearheading this yeah. for, for the most part. Uh, but tell me about how this idea got off the ground and who's been involved in, sure. in laying the groundwork. So it's a bit of a long story, but it's an interesting one. Um, when I, I won, I've won three times now uh, an award known as the Plan Plus Global Financial Planning Award. So I'll just humble brag that one. But it, <laughs> it requires explanation. And the reason is because when you win that, you get a free trip to the Financial Planning Association Conference, wherever it's being held in the U.S. And there's an international group where you're presented the award. And I went down, I won this the first time. And I went down to the conference in Boston and I was like a deer in the headlights. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I have no idea how the U S market works. Like I thought it was very different than this. And I was, I was just shocked by the number of vendors and the number of independents and, and everything I was seeing. Right. And I kind of just got overwhelmed by it. Right. And 
you know, I thought it was interesting and I saw a bunch of interesting people speak. I actually saw Michael Kitsis speak there before I knew who he was, but mm-hmm. it worked out <laughs> that I now know very well who he is. Um, anyway, so that first time I went down during the headlights, second time I went down, much better idea of been going on because I had studied the U.S. market. I understood what an RIA was. I understood what the issues were. I understood who the bodies were. And when I went down there, I started talking to people who worked there and people who were coming from all around the world, South Africa, uh, the Middle East, uh, Russia, Australia, big contention from Brazil, and just trying to understand where they all were in terms of regulatory development. And I kind of discovered that we kind of all are on the same path, just at different points on the curve. But Canada, unfortunately, was severely behind. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can get into reasons for that maybe (laughs) if we want or theories on that. But just to give you an indication, you know, I was told pretty by someone who should absolutely know this, that India had actually banned the equivalent of a deferred sales charge in a mutual fund about eight years ago now, eight, nine years ago. So you think about the fact that developing markets have moved further along regulatory paths than we have. Um, It's kind of, it's very disappointing, right? And I I like to say, I I always come back to Canada super happy I'm coming back home, except when I go to a US conference, in which case I come back a little bit ashamed of the lack of development we made. So while I was there, I met a young advisor. So I guess that's a bit of a long story. And essentially- he was presenting at this FP, FPA next-gen group, so advisors under a certain age. And he said, I'm presenting. So I'm like, oh, go come support you. And I went to go support him. And, you know, this presentation was okay. And I'm in the middle of just working on my iPad. And at the end of the presentation, there's a the room full of people starts talking about, hey, how do we move people to a fiduciary standard? How do we move away from product sales towards fee and retainer-based planning? How do we move into the best interest of the client at all times, get away from product sales altogether? I'm sitting here listening to all of this go on, and I stop and I look around. I'm like, there's 80 people having this conversation. I don't know 80 people in Canada can have this conversation. Right. With. So I walk back, I'm, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm floored by this and I run into a couple of people, but I run into John Page who, who runs the uh, Global Financial Planning Award and is like the godfather of financial planning in Canada, like literally in the in the late 70s or 80s, he was doing planning. Okay, And I told him what I saw and he's like, really? That seems crazy. I'm like, because we're just so not used to that. Right. So we went to the, um, <clears throat> we went to their open forum, uh, their town hall meeting. And basically these people are speaking with such passion about the opportunity they have to create a true profession at this time and place in life. And that they have to take advantage of that because of what it means to Americans and what it means to them and their profession, the people that come after them to the point where they're almost in tears talking about this. It was so inspiring. And I can't see something like that without putting up my hand and saying something. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and so I, I put up my hand. And I said, I am from Canada. I'm blown away by what I'm seeing here. Please do everything you're saying because it's going to shame my country into action because we are so far behind you. And please, all of you, participate in this and appreciate how special what you have here is, right? And so the president, who just got sworn in, just kind of yells out, so why can't you do this? I'm like, look, things are different north of the border. He's like, no, but why can't you? I'm like, Let, let's talk afterwards. Right? <laughs> so I go up to him after. So I sit down, I'm like, jerk, right? <laughs> like, so I go up to him afterwards. And I'm like, look, and I try to explain, like, you know, the banks control all this and, you know, where we stand and all this other stuff. And he's just kind of listens to me and says, so you're not the guy? I'm just like, oh, dude, you can't. <laughs> no. I'm not the kind of person. Threw down the gauntlet. Yeah, that's exactly it. I can't walk away from a gauntlet when it's something I care about. And I do <laughs> care about this, right? And for years, I was just kind of frustrated like everybody else. So I came back to Canada almost beside myself. And I basically started just ta- reaching out and talking to people who I knew felt a similar way and I respect and were friends of mine. Um, some of them well-known. Uh, Alexander McQueen, who's a well-known author, writes for the Globe and Mail on occasion. We've been friends for a long time. She's great. She's wonderful. Um, uh, even, even you know, 
I'll say academic mentors in my, uh, that I've had, like uh, Moshe Malevsky, who's still a friend, um, some well-known fee-only planners, uh, the ladies at Springs Plan, Sandy, um, me on, Sandy, Sandy Martin, Martin yeah. and, uh, and uh, Julia Chung, uh, a good friend of mine, Guy Anderson, who's seen every side of this business from wholesaling and whatnot, and a couple other people who, who dropped out. I knew they would, well, who, a couple other people as well. Uh, and then John Burns, who has a unique role. He actually is a financial planner for the Ministry of Justice in, Canada, in Toronto, and essentially he takes care of people who for the public guardian, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so after much debate about what it is we should do, we said, look, the current associations are not going to get there based on either their current belief structure or the limitations they have in place based on their bodies. As much as we don't want to start another association in this country, I don't see another solution. So we basically developed a charter that spelled out what we thought the end state should be as a method of weeding out what we think are the bad actors. Because no one's going to cut a check to an association that's trying to destroy your way of living. Right. Right. So essentially, that was the origin of it. And um, I originally invited about nine people on to help me with this. I knew a few people were going to drop off, but I've got a core group of six people that have done a tremendous amount of fantastic work to get it where we are. We did a soft launch back in the spring. Uh, that invitation went out to about 200 advisors. I knew about 100 of them. Uh, and to date, uh, this is pre-launch. I'm talking right now. We're yeah. launching in November. To date, we of that had secured about 100, almost 110 members who were mm-hmm. willing to take the leap of faith. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I should say for uh, a point of disclosure, I was one of the uh, members. I figured, What's my membership tier? Uh, you are a affiliate member in that you're not a practicing advisor. You are someone in the industry who's supporting it, essentially. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was happy to give you my money. And for people who are listening and want to support this mission, where would they go if they wanted to either get involved or um, sign up for a membership to help with the initial funding? Where would they go to do that right now? No, right now, as a recording, nowhere other than emailing me. But we, <laughs> uh, you will find our website at fpacanada.com as soon as it launches. And that's going to be, again, beginning of November. Okay, so... Whenever uh, this goes live. <laughs> yeah, and in, in the interim, so I'll, I'll put in the show notes, uh, maybe your email address Absolutely. or something where they can go and contact you if they want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question for you. So this is, again, kind of like inside baseball. If we go back to 2007. Yes. So CIFP, Mm -hmm. um, there was a CIFPS and CIFP. Yeah. And they merged. Mm -hmm. And part of the merger was a rebrand, which included creating Financial Planning Association of Canada. So Yeah. You know what? I didn't even know about that until someone showed me an article. Yeah. And I said, okay, I don't know why that got pulled back and never done. Mm -hmm. But- Stay with us. We'll be right back. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know, first thing I did when I heard that was I talked to my lawyers about that and they said, well, this comp- this organization has no operations in Canada. Technically, they have no, no leg to stand on, which to my knowledge, they do not. And I, since then, but I'm respectful of that. I'm not trying to re- start a relationship with a cross-border association in, the, in a terrible way. So uh, we sent a letter asking for their blessing and mm-hmm. saying that, you know, basically we would like to do this. But at the same time, 
there's something like the name financial planning association is being used in quite well over 20 countries now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not really sure what the reasoning was back then, but we're going to run with it as long as we can. So all these different FPAs in different countries, do they have some kind of parent organization that ties them all together or are they basically operating independently but they're all part of the same network. They're independent from what it looks like. Uh, I know that there are some international bodies that bring together uh, associations of membership. Um, We haven't got to the level where we're going to get invited to that just yet. Uh, Some of them actually are the issuing body of the CFP in their country, and some of them are member organizations. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. So November 5th is the official launch. Mm -hmm. So when the association launches, what is it that um, you expect to see happening you know, in the first year? Well, besides the fact I've secured a lot of media support for it, um, mm-hmm. basically, we realize we have to walk before we run, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to, I, I said we want to have a quiet period because essentially I don't want to launch with an empty website and a bunch of, and no promises. So we identified a lengthy list of, of causes or initiatives that we want to get behind. Everything from low income planning pro bono work to basically advocacy and lobbying for changes in regulation. So we basically limited the list down to a number of things we could, we feel we can launch with, or at least show some benefit. And then people can look at it and see, okay, this is where it's going. We want to be a part of it. So on that list, there's a couple of things that are a benefit to the consumer, a benefit to the advisor and a benefit to the industry. Uh, but really we kind of look at it. This is a, this is a three pronged approach here. We need to educate the client, uh, the end consumer as to what the benefits of financial planning are, because as we know, most people have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. They they associate financial planning with whatever the guy at the bank tells them to do on that given day, right? right. That could be a product sale, right? And you and I know that the difference between comprehensive planning and just product sales is like night and day. Mm-hmm. And one can be incredibly impactful and influential in someone's life. So we need to educate them as to what that really means, first and foremost. We need to work with the different parties that exist, whether that be governments, regulators, service providers, such as yourself with money gaps, that basically create the inco- the the support structure and the and the laws that we need in order to basically make our end vision come true and then we need to take the advisor base and the ones who are basically there at that level pass on that knowledge to the next generation and bring the next level of advisor up so i am constantly getting contacted by young advisors who are looking for guidance and they're typically just throwing their hands up in 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 frustration at the fact that they don't have a, a tribe to go to that believes in what they do right. or a place to learn how to be the right kind of advisor. Right. So with that, what we're gonna do is they're gonna come on board, they're gonna have a public profile that says that they, you know, are part of this association. Part of the association is taking a fiduciary pledge. Right. So that's something I take very seriously. I can't legally enforce that, but we can kick you out of the association if you violate that. Mm-hmm. So your your advisor, if they're one if they're someone who's gonna be a proud FPAC member, has signed off that they are gonna act in your best interest of all time and they will be held to it by us. In terms of developing that ecosystem of, or that next best um, the next generation of advisor, basically we're gonna launch with a we're going to start off with a very rudimentary best practices website that's going to be updated constantly as if it's a wiki. We're going to launch section by section and give you the tools and the knowledge that other people who've been successful in that area have done in terms of running their practice. Everything from how to market your practice to how to pr- properly produce a financial plan or think through even your assumptions, all that sort of stuff. So that kind of guidance. We're going to also launch something called the planning portal, which is going to basically be both a concept library. So if you want to know how to do something like an individual pension plan, a copycat annuity, whatever it is, what is it? Who's the target market? How does it benefit people? What are the tricks and traps of what you should know? Who should you speak to for more information? What are the links in the the tax code? What are the templates that basically will get this done? And how do you actually plan for this with using different softwares? I literally want to make this a almost paint by numbers experience so that the first time you need this, you have all the support you have on that site. 
In addition to that, I want to back that up with academic, but with academic evidence. I want this again, part of the core mission is to be evidence-based. So RSP versus TFSA debate sounds like a simple thing, but we, you and I both know there's countless factors in there. Anything that support that will support that on an academic basis, or even something as simple as optimal funding in our, of an RESP, we're going to encourage that kind of a research. We're going to basically publish it there and we're going to push it out. And then one of the other things we're going to do later on in the year is we're going to publish a forum that basically allows advisors to network with each other and support each other. I'm a member of the FP in the US and their forums are fantastic. Every day I get a daily, uh, daily digest of anywhere between half a dozen to a dozen topics people have asked questions about. And it could be, I need an accountant in this part of the country or what kind of software using for this or I've encountered this really ta- complicated tax problem. And you get people from all over the country weighing in on these solutions. And that sort of support structure is going to be vital towards building the next generation. So those are kind of the key initiatives, as well as we're hoping to launch with a pro bono program, or with not launch very shortly after, where advisors who want to help people who are low income, basically give them the guidance that they need that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. But before we do that, give them the education so that they understand how different that world is from dealing with the people with high net worth. Now, there are a lot of financial advisors who listen to this podcast, but there are also a lot of financial consumers who mm-hmm. listen to this podcast. Can you uh, help explain uh, the fiduciary standard and what that means for an advisor <clears throat> to hold themselves to a fiduciary standard? Sure. So. It's a, it's, a, it's a loaded question, actually. I know. Yeah, you know, you saw, you, you set me up. So the reason why it's a loaded question is because in the US and the UK in particular, there are all kinds of decades worth of case law and, and laws that basically have defined what this means. Okay. In Canada, we are at a stage where we don't have that. In fact, uh, when FP Canada changed their standards recently, they basically put in a duty of client care. And I asked, why didn't you make it a fiduciary standard? And they said, because no one understands what it is. Mm-hmm. So- Basically, in law, fiduciary standard is the single highest level of responsibility towards the people you are servicing imaginable. You have to not only you have to not only basically deal with them in their best interest at all times, but you also have to deal with it with you have to deal with in your zone of competency and not extend yourself. So at the end of the day, what we're saying is that we pardon me. So at the end of the day, that scotch was good. At the end of the day, <laughs> what we're saying is that. We, we know that this actually needs to be defined better in Canada, but the end of the, but what we're going to do is as far as we're concerned, if there's any question of whether or not you you did not act in the best interest of the client, you didn't act in the best interest of the client, mm-hmm. right? So the, the advisor who's basically taking this pledge at all times should be putting their priorities, sorry, behind yours. And what that means is things like, again, we've outlined a number of things within the charter. If you make a recommendation, where's the evidence? Like, where's the proof, right? Like we're requiring people to start using start using um, needs analysis to sell insurance, right? Like that should, that's a best practice. No, that's a requirement with us, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a recommendation as to why someone should do something in their financial lives, where's the financial plan where you've tested that and backed it up and proved it? Proved it. Like heuristics and rules of thumb, this is not going to fly with us, right? So end of the day, the people who are committing to this are committing that within 24 months of enrollment, they're going to live up to the standard, but the fiduciary standard hits from day one. So it's very ambitious. So <laughs> one of the issues is if you want to be a member where you're held to this uh, fiduciary standard and you say that I'm going to act always in the best interest of my clients first, does that necessarily exclude some people from becoming members? People for example, work for different employers? Yes. yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. We, we wrestled with this one and we said, look, we, there are plenty of good people working for employers where you know, they can only sell proprietary product that might not be in the best interest of the client fully. 
we understand the limitations they're under. And we understand that we are not going to wave a magic wand and get the end, the, the end result we want now. Um, what Anyone who's not allowed to hold that as a fiduciary will not have to have their profile listed on the public website. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the first thing. Because a lot of employers... You know, five of them, six of them with big towers downtown are not going to want that held out. Right. Right. So you can be a member and you can benefit from everything else, but you can't do that. Right. right? So, so you would have access to like, for example, the planning portal, which for me, when you explain the planning portal, if I go back to when I was an advisor, having something like that would have been gold. Absolutely. Right. That's sorely lacking. Yeah. Or a practice management portal that tells you like, you know, I'm having difficulty basically uh, marketing my business. Where am I going wrong? Or, you know, I know insurance is important. I don't even know where to start in the planning of this. I know I could get a designation. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how? what's the best practice for how I do this in the most ethical and, and fiduciary way possible? Excellent. Um, I know you've got, uh, you're a busy guy. You're in demand. You've got <laughs> a, a panel to go to um, yep. uh, right after this. And even with that in mind, this will be published after the panel. Mm-hmm. You still took me up on my offer to have scotch during the podcast. Um, we've been enjoying uh, Glenn Fittick's Winter Storm, yes, at, which I think I've talked about on this podcast before. And was but, absolutely delicious, so thank you for that. Yeah, you know, yeah. no, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking a little bit about FPAC. It mm-hmm. sounds like there's a huge amount of potential here, mostly, uh, you know, partly for advisors for sure, but also for the financial consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be a real benefit for so many people. Absolutely. And so I do want to see this initiative take off and grow because uh, it's sorely needed. Absolutely. So just as uh, sort of, again, you know, the the sort of uh, standard demo of this podcast, yeah. everyone gets a commercial at the end. And you can talk about anything. You can talk about your practice. You can talk about FPAC Canada. You can talk about FinTech yeah. Impact, whatever you want. So, so the, the funny thing is, is that my business partners would cringe at me not plugging our company, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I would say I'm going to plug FPAC because that's what I'm here for. And frankly, end of the day, this is an association that is trying to assemble, for lack of a better term, a coalition of the willing. <laughs> so it's a reference to the, <laughs> but essentially people who basically believe that the planning is at the core of the benefit that we give people. And that is something that's been proven. It's being proven through academia, academia. It's being proven through your work. Thank you very much. And essentially we can benefit so many people in this country. And we unfortunately have a system that is not designed to encourage that best outcome. And, you know, we all start somewhere. So I'm not going to lay blame or cast doubt on why, but I know that there are a tremendous number of people in this industry who want to do what's best. Mm-hmm. And we want to create a, a group of those people who are not only going to do that, but also be held to that standard and have repercussions if they don't. But we're also going to work in conjunction with all the people in the ecosystem to try to help create that and educate them as to what needs to happen. And you know, stop making Canada this exception where despite the fact we're one of the most developed economies in the world, our, our system, our ecosystem for financial services is ridiculously antiquated. We need to move into the next generation because, frankly, we can what we can do is so powerful and so positive that we owe it to ourselves to make sure that happens. Man, that was uh, that was inspiring. Uh, Jason, <laughs> thanks so much Thank for you. coming on the show. I, I really appreciate your passion for this Thank cause. You. And listeners, I will put in the show notes uh, some links. Um, this will probably get published before FPA Canada That's launches, yeah. but I'll put a link to your, your email address if you are an advisor. Or my you FPAC support, address. <laughs> yeah, your FPAC address. Yeah. And if you want to support uh, the mission, you can go there and ask Jason uh, more questions. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for taking the time to support this. Appreciate it.